Okay, welcome back to another episode of Spooky Movie Squad, the horror movie podcast that reviews the best and worst and everything in between in horror, one movie at a time. I'm your host, Otis, and tonight, like always, I am joined by the Spooky Movie Squad, and that consists of Katie. Hi. Emma. What's up? And Micah. Hey, remember that scene from the movie when she gets her hand caught and she has to yank it out of the drawer? Yeah, that, that kind of just happened to me, not like five minutes ago and between my chair and my desk as Je- uh, miles was behind me like sneezing but he sneezed like 10 times in a row so i like freaked out moved way too fast and got my hand stuck and then pulled it out so my hand sucks it hurts did you pull the skin off like she did, I did not i did not pull the skin off but oh, that's, <laughs> good. that's good, good. excellent Jeez. I'm sorry that you're in pain, but I'm very glad that it wasn't as brutal as it was in the movie. Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be that'd be terrible. That would be so bad. <laughs> so sit back and relax and enjoy our review of the 2019 American fantasy horror film based off the 2013 novel by Stephen King. What up? Dr. Sleep. Dare to go back. Hit that music. It took all of me not to say way back. <laughs> um, <laughs> happy spookies, constant readers. I should have said that for the first Stephen King one. That's what he calls his fans, constant readers. This is episode 295 of this illustrious podcast, and it's chapter three of our month of Stephen King horror movies. So we kind of went the newer route with these choices. I'm curious about the last one. Might be even newer. Or we might go with an old one. I don't know yet. But I have been pretty curious about one of the newer films that came out, written and directed by, hopefully it's our boy, Mike Flanagan. So if you don't remember that name, he did a lot of films that I want to watch at some point. Oculus, and that's the one with Karen yes. Gillum in it. Hush, hey, you remember that one with the with the deaf? Was she deaf and mute? She was just deaf. Yeah, with the with the deaf lady fighting for her life in her home in the woods. Yeah, that's the who same. was the bad guy in that? He was somebody famous, I think. And I was just like, what the fuck? Uh, he was I, in. I can't remember. Uh, he was the good guy in that um uh the Belco experiment. There you go. Oh yeah, yeah, the kid from uh, Newsroom. Got it. He also did Before I Wake. That's another one that's on Netflix. I've heard a lot of good things about it. It's a little boy that dreams bad stuff and the bad things try to kick his parents' asses. So they gotta like defend themselves at night. It seems pretty fun. Sounds like every Stephen King book. Yeah. And another Stephen King film, Gerald's Game. That's the one where the guy is like trying to get sexy with his wife, handcuffs her to the bed, and has a heart attack. So now she is handcuffed to a gigantic bed and having a deal with her fucked up life it is a really cool book uh, i read it a very long time ago i probably didn't understand a lot of it but it's uh, a lot of people enjoyed it because it's just two people in a room and i think there's a monster but i think the monster's in her head but uh, mike flanagan he is a very very big fan 
of Stephen King. He said one of his life life's goals is to make a Dark Tower show or movie. He says that would be this the last thing and he could die happy. So hopefully one day he will run that shit back because I trust him. Um, actually, whoever did the movie, I, I kind of I like Idris Elba's role, but that's just me. So if you don't know anything about Dr. Sleep, that's crazy. Uh, I remember the trailers for this movie. It was fucking everywhere. This is the sequel to the 1980 film by Stanley Kubrick and I don't know, watched by Stephen King. And then he just eh, waved his hand a bit and walked away. But The Shining. So uh, if you don't remember The Shining, it's Jack Nicholson trying to kill his family in a hotel in the snow. He goes cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs because no TV, no beer makes Jack Nicholson something, something go crazy. Go crazy. Don't (laughs) mind if I do. (laughs) So this is many years later. It actually jumps around, but we deal with the son of that attack at the Overlook Hotel. And it's his dealings of life and his alcoholism and dealing with the monsters, real monsters in the world and having to defend a little girl a lot like him when he was a kid dealing with scary stuff. So Emma, what did you think about Dr. Sleep? I loved this movie. I was absolutely devastated and wrecked by this movie in multiple multiple moments but oh my god i spent 90 percent of my life dreading stephen king anything because i was like absolutely not that's horror that's scary that's a no-go for me and then starting this podcast and watching stephen king things i mean i saw the shining like before the podcast but it freaked me the fuck out but this movie legitimately I took I, I turned to Micah multiple times during this movie and I was like bro absolutely not this shit is for real scary like <laughs> this is this is the shit that nightmares are actually like truly <laughs> made of and it just <laughs> it was so good though Oh my god. I absolutely loved it. Katie, what about you? Uh same. I really really liked this movie. Um I watched it sitting next to Otis who just finished reading the book. So he was kind of like, you know, sighing along just like everybody does when they like are really into a book and then go to see the film adaption, you know, like, oh, they changed this little thing or they changed that little thing. So, he was kind of sighing a little bit at the beginning at things that they were changing but i was so like enveloped in this fucking story like it was Mm -hmm. so good and if you had never seen the shining or never read any of the books this movie still works like as a standalone you could definitely watch it as a standalone it definitely helps to have watched the shining first um but it was fantastic. It had like it tugged at your heartstrings. It had like the horror aspect. It had like creepy vampires. It had cute Ewan McGregor. Like what? What more do you need, Micah? This has been added to the list. 
Certified bangers. <laughs> oh my God. I loved this movie from start to finish. Uh, yeah, no, this one, this one did it for me, man. This was, this, this is like, you know, you always watch those movies and you're like, oh, okay, that was good, but this one, I don't really have any butt for it. I just, I'll give, I'll just provide my butt for it. Like, I, yeah, no, I absolutely loved this movie. I did not think two and a half hours is a long freaking movie, but man, did it, did oh, it, it deliver like it, the whole time. Yeah, it was like a superhero epic, but like a dark twist on a superhero epic. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, I, I absolutely loved this movie. So the director had a very hard job ahead of him making this movie because the original novel and the original movie took two different roads out of town. And he decided that he was going to try to combine both of them towards the end of this. So Katie, Katie saying that I was sighing watching this, that is an understatement. I was actually wiggling towards the end of this movie. <laughs> he really was. And I like flopped over. A character dies and he's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> not in a mad way because it's a different story. I knew this was going to be different because from the beginning, the Overlook was destroyed in one of the one of the adaptations and did not get destroyed in another one. So I knew that they had to go completely different with how things went i really like this movie so if you ask me the question of did you enjoy this movie yes i really did now if you ask me did i like the movie after reading the book not really (laughs) but i can compartmentalize and put a wall up in between those two things the book is fucking cool they left out a lot of characters and things that Danny had to deal with and do. It's fucking cool. So when I'm when doing this review and I go over the movie, I'm going to inform you, everybody, of what they had to change. But Mike Flanagan, like I said, he had to. Like I said, there were things that he just was forced to do. And I will say, the third act of this movie, uh, people, mm, the fight scene, I was a little mad about how things went. But just going back to the Overlook, was really cool uh it had a smile on my face the whole time it's really fucking cool and the third act of the book there is no overlook it burnt down in the first novel so it was a different type of fight which i was fine with but man it's nothing like being in a creepy hotel again that was really cool that was fan service to the max and it made me smile so yeah this was fun this was really really good i enjoy Ewan McGregor in movies. Mm. You know, I've seen his highs. This is one of his highs. And I've seen his lows, like train spotting. Uh, watch that movie. It's great. But if you got kids, it's a bad time. But it's a great movie. Ewan McGregor is a, an amazing actor. I really enjoyed him. Some characters didn't get enough of the shine that they should have. But this was really cool. And this ad this is another addition to the Stephen King certified banger adaptation list uh, that list was very small back in the day <laughs> and uh, ever since the the 2010s uh that list has gotten way bigger it started with it and then we got tons more movies that are really really good mm-hmm. and it makes me happy because a new generation of people get to witness stephen king's stories you know there are people crazy to think but 
there are people out there that don't know that much about it. So they got to see uh, a new version of the clown trying to eat kids. And I, I think that's awesome. There are tons of stories even I haven't read that would be amazing as movies or shows. So like I said, the guy's still alive. He's being awesome online. Still watching scary movies. He's like, hey, what's this terrifying movie about? I'm like, Stephen King, don't watch it. It's crazy. <laughs> but it's fun. I, I love Stephen King. So uh, this is a very fun movie. I will do my best to combine both of them as I'm explaining it. But real quick, I just want to bring up Danny Torrance. So the main character of the novel in this movie, he was a constant question at conventions or book signings for Stephen King. People always asked, like, what happened after like the Overlook and his dad like blowing up the hotel to save him? And, you know, he, he could still see ghosts like what happened to him? And he's like, that's a great question. And he kept thinking about it. He's like he couldn't get it out of his head. And after reading something about a a therapy cat named Oscar that was predicting the deaths of terminally terminally ill patients. That is a real thing. There was a cat out there like, you're going to die tonight. They're like, ooh. Um, he was like, ooh, that'd be really cool. What if somebody could also deal with the ghost? Oh, Danny. And he came up with the idea. So uh, he was extra excited to come up with the story, uh, future of Danny Torrance. It's just like a Dark Tower series. He's made three side books about Roland's life because he's like, man, I really like writing shit in this world. So he keeps doing it. So it, it's, like I said, really cool story. I'm going to keep saying it. So we will get through this story. Uh, hopefully it's quick. This is two and a half hours, probably the longest version, longest movie he's made, I would say. Besides it. Yeah, but that's two of them. So yeah, it, <laughs> that wins because it's just like the length of it. But uh, it it had a lot to say, I will say. But some scenes felt really fast. It's really odd. <laughs> well, this movie's so long because it they added on the ending of the sh- the book, The Shining. So it added on, they tacked on like an extra half hour of stuff that they didn't necessarily need in this movie, but they did because Mike Flanagan is fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so when the movie starts we get a little bit of a cold open and we see a wee little girl running around at a what is it just an rp park or just uh yeah, we'll say it's a park yeah uh fun fact that little girl is katie from megan so she's the main little gal i was like that face is familiar oh shit it's katie <laughs> so she meets up with rose i was gonna say rosie real bad rosie the hat I said it wrong after I just said it. Rose, <laughs> Rose, the Rose the hat. And she is talking to little Violet. And she's like, hey, what color is this flower? And she's like, purple. And I'm like, oh, there probably wasn't a flower in her hand. She made it. So she's like, oh, you can see it. Cool. And the girl gets abducted. Um, that's the least of her problems. But she gets snatched up. Uh, we move forward in time a little bit. And we meet up with danny actually no it's around the same time so we got a young danny torrance so it this is after the attacks at the overlook and him and his mom they are in florida they got the furthest distance away from snow (laughs) but unfortunately he's still getting attacked 
by the ghost from the Overlook. So in the book and in this movie, we learned that the ghosts really wanted Danny and they weren't strong enough to directly attack him. That's why they uh, they jumped into the dad's body because they're like, if the dad can like attack the kid and knock him out or kill him, they can just feed on his energy. So that's why The Shining went the way it did. So uh, the ghosts, they follow Danny because they still want some revenge on him. And Danny stopped talking after the overlook and he has just been silent. And he deals with the lady in the bathtub so just a naked lady that is her skin is just rotten after a meeting with hey it's dick halloran in the book he's still alive but the movie version he got an axe to the back axe to the chest actually so the ghost of dick halloran tells him that hey i know a way that you can deal with these ghosts so i want you to picture a lockbox in your head and when those ghosts get close yeah, you pull a, I don't know, a fucking Ghostbusters and suck them up and you put them in this box. And Danny, a couple times in the book, he asks like, hey, did, are they going to die in here? Or what happens to him? He's like, do you want to know? And he's like, not really. <laughs> so Danny has a couple of lock boxes in his head, but the ghosts don't mess with him anymore because they're like, oh, shit, Katie went over there to spook the fuck out of that dude. He, she hadn't come back. I'm not going. <laughs> Katie got her ass kicked over there. <laughs> So we jump further into the future and we see that Danny, he's not a a successful writer or a fireman or anything like that. Uh, He's a big old alcoholic because he couldn't deal with his powers, his shine. So uh, just like in X-Men, not first class, Days of Future Past, you use drugs to block your powers. So he uses alcohol and drugs to stop the shine. And after waking up one morning and the lady laying next to him is just laying in throw up and her little baby is just like chilling. Uh, He steals the money from her purse and the ghost of Dick is like, dude, that's kind of fucked up. He's like, hey, you don't know my life. (laughs) She stole my money for crack. So yeah. And scuttles out of the room. Uh, This woman and her child pop up multiple times in the novel this is a very much a big piece of his regret and just a lingering we could say a phantom in his head for a gigantic chunk of the novel they do not go away and they look worse and worse every time they pop up and they talk to him they're like you left us to die and he's like uh kind of and so he's dealing with that so Danny scoots off to New Hampshire. So he he goes as north as he can to get away from his problems. And he actually recovers through Alcoholics Anonymous. And it's it's pretty cool. His new friend, Billy Freeman, gave him a job and he works at Teeny Town. So it's like a small scale of the town. And he drives a little train around. And in the novel, too, Billy just gets a good feeling about dan and he's like you need a job and you're cool in the book they kind of explain a little bit more about it billy uh not to the same level as dan but he does have shine also and he's a lot older they make it seem like he's like in his 70s so he's like a really old guy they younged him up in this which is fine uh but billy is the friend you want beside you that dude is so cool in the book he's he's a he cusses every other word's a curse word but he is so nice to nice to dan in, in the book so 
after working with Billy, he becomes a hospice orderly. So uh, a hospice is a, you could say a hospital, right? Kind of. A care home. Let's be a hospice care facility. Yeah, a facility for older folks that are unfortunately towards the end of their lives and they may have dying yeah i didn't want to say that but yeah towards the end of their lives and so danny uses his shine to comfort the dying patients and so he in the book he shows them their past and the good times that they had and he kind of takes their pain away so he is the a nice dr kevorkian and word gets around he tells people to keep it hush hush in the hospice but yeah him and his cat azazel i believe is the cat's name in the book they call him azzy but i think it's azazel um him and the cat they just they're not waiting on people to die it's just the cat's like hey room 104 okay and he heads over and he spends the the last hour of their life with them uh it's really cool he does this a lot and while he is helping people go on to heaven or hell he is helping out his friends by telling them just random things like hey hey dr john um you left your watch in this specific spot he's like how do you know that i don't know and just walks off real fast and he tells billy hey um so when i see people sick or dying i see flies on their face and you have flies on your face sir so i'm just gonna drag you to the doctor oh wow i had like a gut issue i think he had cancer stomach cancer and they get rid of it and danny and billy is fine so yeah and billy's like i'm good i'm good he's like no you're not bud let's go over here he's helping around like the town so while this is happening we meet up with the true knot and that's the name of the group they are a cult of i assume they had shine powers before but then they morphed their bodies to be able to eat the shine from people so uh, I assume this power is like a commodity that you can control and, I don't know, eat. So through pain and torture and sadness, their powers get eaten by these people and it extends their life and uh, makes them stronger. And so they travel around the world. Actually, in the book, they head down to Mexico for a while because there are cartel just battles going on and they're just chilling and just sucking up the steam from people. And they head to New York when the 9-11 attacks happen and they stay and they stay in the park closest to the destruction and they stay there for a couple of weeks and they're just eating up all the sadness and shine from all the dying bodies in the rubble. So this is what they do. They just travel around and eat shine from people. This movie made it seem like they only ate shine and not like they ate sadness, but only sadness of people with shine. Yeah. Like like the the sadness helped the the shine taste better yeah. is what they made it seem like. So the fact that they in the book they went to like nine eleven happening and were just feeding off the sadness of everybody else makes them seem more like uh, that one vampire from What oh, We Do in the Shadows yeah. who just like sucks the joy from everybody yeah, else. Yeah, an emotions vampire. Yeah, it's the best type of vampire because everybody's depressed. <laughs> So uh, the true knot, this is what they do. Uh, they do hunt down people with the shine specifically if they kind of pop out. A few of the members 
can track people. And so we meet up with them as they are tracking down a boy. And he is a, uh, what, he plays baseball. And unfortunately for them, for him, he gets snatched up by the group and we see how they feed. So Rose stabs him in his leg and just constantly is grinding the knife into his body. And every time he screams in pain, steam, fog, comes out of his mouth and all the other members just eat that up. And so they continue that for hours. In the novel, they stab this boy for hours until he finally is like, I know I'm not getting out of this. Just kill me. And Rose is like, nope, not yet. We need more. And so they collect the steam. This moment in the movie absolutely fucked me up. Yeah, it's bad. (laughs) I was so close to crying. I told Micah, I was like, listen, we've watched a lot of people die in these movies. Like a lot of people in really shitty, really terrible ways. But like the terror in this kid's cry like as soon as he got out of the van i was like "Uh uh-uh no this just like yeah i had that burning hot icky feeling in my chest while he was crying i'm like nope i don't like it yeah they uh this point in the book they're like oh man i was reading and i was like these people are bad and they're like laughing they're like sweet we're eating we're we're full and this kid's like please kill me and they're like nope so while this is happening, there is somebody in the bushes watching them feed. Her name is Abra Stone. And so her powers, she's actually stronger than Dan. And Danny, for as far as we know, he seems to be the strongest person with the shine. Abra, they don't have a guide of what her power level is. But I assume like if this was Dragon Ball Z, her level, her power level is over 9000 because she does absurd things and she doesn't know what she's doing. Kind of like how Ray was just doing force moves in Force Awakens, and people were like, that doesn't make sense. I'm like, well, if you just got a lot to work with, the rules mean nothing to you. So uh, Abra does this in the book. She just does things. She's like, I didn't know I could do that. <laughs> right on. So she is seen by Rose and other people in the group, and they're like, somebody was watching us. And Rose is like, that's absurd because it's coming from the East. So someone astral projected more than 1,500 miles and was watching us and it instantly disappeared when I looked back. I really want this kid because they have a lot of shine in their body. At this point, we find out that the true knot, they are running low on kids to eat because the shine, hey, go figure. When you don't cultivate things and you just eat and eat and eat, oh no, we're out of food, just like the fucking buffalo. They're like, oh, buffalo, they'll just make more somehow. They'll just kill all these buffalo. Oh, no, we're out of room on our fucking wagon. Ah, fuck it, I'm just going to kill the rest of this buffalo I can see. I'm like, oh, no, they're gone. Yeah, asshole. <laughs> you got to let time go by so you can get more people with the shine. So Aberstone, she is ridiculous. At the beginning of this, well, in the beginning of the novel, she is, I want to say, two years old. She says hi to Dan the first time and this is when he was recovering early in the story and he's like somebody just said hi in my head that was really fucking weird okay and he goes back to just try not to have a drink every day later on when she is five or six at a birthday party she sees a magician like stick spoons on his body she's like I can do that and proceeds to put all the spoons in the house to the ceiling 
and was like, cool, look at that, mom and dad, and their faces, and she could actually read their thoughts, and they're like, that's scary, and she's like, oh, my bad, and lets the spoons go, and she's like, I'll stop doing that in front of y'all, because that scared you. Abra, as a wee little baby, barely born in this world, cried for a week straight, and they didn't know what the problem was. The parents were very terrified, and then she stops crying instantly, right after the second plane hit the World Trade Center. So Abra could feel that that was going to happen and she could not stop crying. So Stephen King brings up the fact in the book that Abra is ridiculously strong. And just for the first like 100 pages, it's just little chapters of just like, oh, this baby's doing this ridiculous thing while Dan's like, like helping people like go to the after afterlife. And I was like, that's really cool. So Abra starts talking to Dan. They are pen pals, in a sense, in the mind. And Abra's like, hey, they saw me looking at them. I think this group is coming to kill me. And Dan, at first, he's, he's skeptical, like, hey, just, just turn your powers off, and maybe they won't find you. Like, that's what I do. Uh, I don't, you shouldn't do that, even though at this point he was using his powers. So it's weird that he told her to stop doing it. But he was doing it. So he recruits Billy, old good boy Billy, and Abra's dad after showing him crazy images of the boy getting stabbed up, the baseball boy. Uh, they agree to help fight off the true knot because they are heading straight toward Abra. So they use Abra astral projecting her presence and guides the true knot to the woods where Billy and Dan shoot all of the members of the True Knot, except Rose, because Rose stayed back because she got attacked. Well, in the mind, they had a little fight, and Rose had to drag her arm out of a vice, just like Micah was telling us earlier, and she <laughs> degloved her hand. So Rose is like, I'm going to stay back. Um, but yes, the, the True Knot die. But not before one of the True Knot members makes Billy shoot himself in the head. At this point in the movie, I was like, they did not just kill Billy. Uh, yeah. Spoilers, Billy does not die in the book. He goes off and does even more cool stuff and helps Dan save the day. Spoilers in the book. So I was very depressed when Billy died. So, hey, it looks like everybody's done. The day is saved. Oh, no. Where's Crow Daddy? Crow Daddy, just like in the book split off from the group and felt a little bit of a presence from Abra. So she's a little kid. She can't completely hide her, her stuff. So he proceeds to kill Abra's dad and drug and take Abra away. Another person down that didn't do a lot. I was kind of depressed. So Danny finds Abra uh, using powers that he didn't know he could really do. And he does a little cool talent thing that they do in the book a couple of times he inhabits abra's body and actually in the book crow daddy uh danny starts talking through abra's body and crow daddy's like your voice got way deeper little girl <laughs> and he's like well the jig is up i guess and starts fighting crow daddy um in the movie they hit the brakes and crow daddy being a immortal asshole doesn't wear a seatbelt and it proceeds to fly through the windshield and land on the ground. 
and he dies. I'm like, well, that's what happens, bud. <laughs> so Dan and Abra realize that they have to end this and they can't really go home right now because uh, the cops and Abra's mom are finding all the dead bodies. There were a lot of them left there. So uh, they're like, we got to finish this and then we'll worry about that problem later. At this point in the movie, I was like, Danny ain't coming back. Too much shit at home. <laughs> it's too damn hot. Too damn hot back in New Hampshire. This motherfucker ain't coming back. And I started frowning. <laughs> so they head toward the Outlook. Outlook, Jesus, Otis. That's a fucking program on a computer. They head toward the Overlook. And Dan realizes that, hey, the Overlook is scary for us because we have the shine and all the ghosts want to eat us. But it should be just as bad for Rose because she has shine inside of her. She has way more shine than anyone because she just keeps eating it. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, in the book, the True Knot, they actually live on the remains of the Overlook. They enjoy being there because it's evil as fuck. So I was like, oh, okay. But we get to see the Overlook again, and that made me happy inside. So Danny heads in. He tells Abra to stay in the car because he's going to turn on the power and just see how, how it's going inside. Uh, He's going to wake up the hotel. Yeah, it doesn't take much because they the lights pop on by themselves. And they're like, oh, shit, Dan's back. Turn up, y'all. And he starts seeing things. This is 100% fan service. And it made me smile, so I wasn't mad about it. Uh, we get to see the doors that Jack Torrance chopped his way through. And he's like, here, Johnny. And I, I was like, this is fucking cool. Uh, it made me smile. Katie was talking about how it just looked awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And the set design, it was, I loved it. So he heads, actually turns on the power. That's all we see right now. Uh, Abra sees that Rose is right on her tails. And she heads inside with Dan. So Rose heads in and they have themselves a little talk. And it wasn't just a talk, it was a trap. So Danny and Abra send Rose into Danny's mind where she is in the hedge maze in the snow, just like from the first movie. And Abra is in the hedge maze, and she is stabbing Rose's kneecaps up, just slicing them up. The back of her kneecaps. Yeah. She would have been dead. Like, Yeah, but she took super steam before, so she was healing instantly. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. I didn't even think about that, because I was like, she caught her on one leg. Okay, she'd be down. Two legs, you're just dead. You you would bleed out so fucking fast. Yeah. So as Abra is fighting off Rose, we see a giant lockbox creeping up behind Rose. So they were going to lock her away. I guess her mind and the body would just be useless in a lockbox. That actually is a sweet ass plan. Uh, They don't do that plan in the book. They just go for a fight. (laughs) So it doesn't work because Rose is crazy strong and Danny tells Abra to run away and he tries his best to fight off Rose. We get a callback to the first movie on the stairs and we see Rose with her hands out like, okay, I'm not going to hurt you. You know, I'm just going to bash your fucking brains in. And we see Danny with the, it's not a bat, it's an ax. And he is letting her get way too close. Uh, Dan goes for a swing with the ax. He catches her in the shoulder. All right. Uh, She just grabs the ax away from him stabs him in his thigh and throws him down the stairs and proceeds to jam her thumb into the wound 
and starts eating his shine. And she says, his wine tastes like whiskey. And he's like, this is awesome. Like, I can't believe I didn't see you when you were a little kid. I'd have ate you so quick. Danny realizes that, oh, shit, I'm going to die here. Um, Actually, with help from Rose, she's like, hey, there's something in your head I can't get to. What is that? And he's like, I'm not hiding shit. I'm locking them away. And he releases all the ghosts that he locked earlier in his life out back into the overlook. And they proceed to jump on Rose and eat her up. And she dies and they eat her steam. And then they look over at Dan and they're like, oh, yeah, we wanted you a long time ago. And then they jump into Danny's body. So now we get another callback and we see Abra running away from Danny. And it is legit one for one reimagining of the original Shining with Jack chasing Danny around the hotel. We get callbacks of ghosts everywhere. We get the twins again. And they run into room 237. That's the room with the hot uh, the bathtub lady. And Abra realizes that this was all part of the plan. Abra was supposed to leave the hotel, but she didn't because she wanted to save Danny. And Danny's like, he snaps out of it just a little bit and says that the boiler is going to explode. I set this up that this place was going to burn down. You should have left. And she's like, I wanted to save you. And he's like, nope, get out. Abra runs toward the exit and the ghosts drag Danny's body to the boiler. This sounds familiar, Otis. Yes, this is the ending of the original novel. They get down to the bottom. Danny gets enough strength to take his body back and he sits down and accepts his fate. And hey, he sees his mom. And he turns back into little kid Danny. And Dan Torrance dies. But the Overlook catches on fire and gets destroyed. Hooray. So at the end, Abra's back home with her mom. And Danny is a ghost. And he is watching over Abra. And it seems like there's still some things that she could learn. And he's going to be a guardian angel to, to young Abra. And then uh, Abra is heading down to dinner. She glances toward the bathroom and sees the bathtub lady. So somehow she survived and she heads to the bathroom to go kick her ass. So that's the end of the movie. So real quick, I'm going to say a couple of things and they won't make sense to you guys, but this is what happens in the book. So before they head to the overlook, Danny heads to Abra's grandmother's hospice room, guides her to the afterlife and absorbs her steam but her steam is covered with cancer. So Danny has a super cool plan in his head. So Danny, full of cancer, heads toward the Overlook with astral projection Abra in the back seat because the parents, still alive, would not let their child go to fucking Colorado. <laughs> so when they get there, the true knot, uh, 60 men strong at this point, not six people, they are hiding in in wait for Danny, Billy, and Abra. Danny sneaks up, releases the steam, and the true knot eat up the steam. Hooray, they're stronger. Oh no, it's cancer. And they instantly melt away. It is instantaneous. Danny's like, holy shit, I didn't think that was going to happen. Uh, he's like, good thing I got that cancer on my body. Hopefully. <laughs> That's the last time he says anything about that. Um, so it is just Rose. And actually, one more True Knot member wasn't there, but she gets jumped by the ghosts from the Overlook. So Danny releases the ghosts 
just on his own. He's like, well, I don't want y'all in my head anymore. The ghosts don't thank Danny, but they say, oh, cool, my home. And they just scuttle off. So they don't fuck with him. As Abra and Danny are fighting Rose, they have her on the edge of a tall building that they're on. And they get help from a mysterious stranger. And Rose falls off and breaks her neck. Hooray! The mysterious stranger is Jack Torrance's ghost. He came back to save his son one more time. And Danny sees his dad, waves to him and smiles. And then Jack waves back. So I guess the good part of him was just at the hotel's remains, just awaiting. So at the end of the book, everybody's alive. And Danny's like, yeah, keep doing what you're doing, girl. Like, you're awesome. He says, shine on. Like, you're really good. If you ever need help, call me up because I will help you out. And that's the, the end of the book. And I was like, that was really fucking cool. So, Katie, who was your favorite character in Dr. Sleep? Um, I think my favorite character was probably Billy. And I think he was just an overall really cool character that Danny really needed in his life. He immediately like saw Danny and was like, oh yeah, I've been where you are. Like you need you need help. Like I'm going to extend a helping hand. I'm going to help you find a place to stay. I'm going to figure out like I'll help you find a job. Like, you know, I don't owe you this. I don't even know you, but like I'm going to help you out because that's what good people do. And immediately he became like Danny's confidant and they like had this really cool friendship and he got Danny clean. He got him a job like, yeah, he was ride or die for Danny. And even when Danny like halfway through the movie, well, a little more than half, probably two thirds of the way through the movie when shit starts getting wild and they have to go after the bad guys. Danny goes down to talk to Billy because he lives like on the floor below him or whatever. He's like, look, I just need you to listen and like try to believe what I'm saying. And he tells him all about the fucking shine and these people who are like shine vampires and like all this wild shit. And Billy's like, you know, you're either fucking crazy or these people are murdering children and that is not gonna fucking stand with me and he goes on a cross-country trip to stop shit um and even like rolls up to like 13 year old abra's house like that's fucking wild and scary and billy was great emma so i agree with you um but i'm gonna go with my second favorite which was abra uh I loved her. She was literally like, she felt all that shit and didn't let one ounce of it stop her from trying to stop them. She's like, they're murdering children. I'm going to make this stop. And she in no way let that freak her out. And I loved her absolute confidence. And it was, it was awesome. I just, I really liked her. Micah. I'm going to go with Doc, Danny, Uncle Dan, uh, whatever whatever (laughs) you want to call him. Um, He is incredibly self-aware the entire movie, and he only bases his judgments off his experiences. And that's why he isn't a perfect hero. He's super flawed. You know, 
went on benders for years trying to keep the shine down because he knew it would bring attention and he didn't want the, to be chased by ghosts or other shine other shinning people and <laughs> what are you trying to get sued he's protecting his shins uh <laughs> but it was basically like cutting himself off <laughs> cutting himself off from the force i knew you were gonna say it i was gonna say it <laughs> <laughs> i was waiting for that and the second you giggled i was like here it comes <laughs> that's why i stopped and laughed because <laughs> i'm predictable um <laughs> I love that when he actually realizes that his shine is like crazy powerful and he's incredibly smart. So when he like gets even the slightest bit of confidence, he becomes this like mastermind, just kicking ass and, you know, and, and the, I don't know, his character was written very, very well for this movie and Ewan McGregor played it per- perfectly. It just it, absolutely really did. It though. really just, it was just great. Like, I loved this movie. Yep. Uh, I, yeah, I could literally rewatch this movie once a day for the next week and never get over it. It was so good. So I went with Danny and a little bit of apprehension in my voice because 19 hours took me 19 hours to get through the book. And I got two and a half hours with this Danny. It's just it's not fair. I wanted more of this Danny. But that's the difference between like, you know, different types of media, a book, you get so much more time with characters, but a movie, two hours tops, you know, we got two and a half in this one, but usually the movie's two hours these days. But Dan is a cool character in this story, and I absolutely liked him. There were some issues with him, you know, Uh, when all the chips were down, Abra got kidnapped. Danny didn't just go like, I need to find her. He's like, bottle of whiskey. And I was like, come on. He wouldn't be like troubled with alcoholism at that point. He's like, no, I got to find this girl because I fucked up. But like I said, they had to bring that back up at some point. He had to fight with alcoholism at least one more time. You know, when he sees his dad as the bartender Lloyd, he kind of has a moment. But I think it's more of he was just sad to see his dad. Well, and it, it also adds to his alcoholism. You know, he was using it to escape something, so he was using it as a tool, but he, in the process, became addicted to it. So having that yeah. moment, like, I could easily just shut all of this out and disappear again, or I can actually commit to this and help and be the hero. Yeah. Like I said, it, they, they had two and a half hours to, like, give him hills and valleys to deal with, and I, they did a pretty good job. So, Katie, who was your least favorite character? Um, I'm going to say the, I said vampire group. True not. The true not, which they never name in the movie. They say it. Not a lot, the, but they do the say not. it. Did they? I never heard them One say One time. One time she says the not, but yeah. that's it. They don't do it a lot. Okay. Well, them, besides Rose, all of the side vampires all of her little group they were all trash (laughs) and they added nothing like she was the only strong one it seemed and like all you guys do is fucking eat like vampire cocaine you y'all should all be fucking strong and wild 
and she's the only like Rose is the only one who was worth a damn. And I really liked her as a villain, but everybody else in her group sucked. Emma. So along those lines, I fucking agree. Rose was incredible. Like as a bad guy, I was fucking terrified of her. She was like uh Baba Yaga and Dr. Facilier meets like the worst Freddy ever. Yeah. But I, oh, she was terrifying. Um, along the lines of that, in the book, Otis, do they go into like the explanation of some of the people? They they give a little bit more weight to characters because okay. every every character in the the knot they do have their own thing. There's a person that is good with computers because he's like, oh, well, yeah. we got to the two thousands this is what we use they're like just use a map he's like no fucking google it and they're like that's stupid he's like y'all are dumb and so he's like in the corner i need to read the book now it's pretty solid i I feel like i need to but okay uh for the person that i don't like my least favorite character to specify of the knot because yes snakebite andy i was oh yeah same goddamn thing she was fucking terrible so her little whatever thing that she did before she became part of the knot where she was like oh you're fucking around you're doing dumb shit i'm gonna use to put something on your face and hypnotize you and all that i'm like okay she was fighting the patriarchy one pedophile at a time (laughs) well she was really trying to and i was like all right but the second she got into that group, she got like cringy. Yeah. Extremely weird. And I was like, this is not the direction I would have gone with someone who's legitimately trying to stop people who touch people inappropriately. Like, <laughs> yeah. not, not the way. But I just, she was so cringy and so just a pitiful addition to the knot that I was like, no, yeah, y'all, y'all just wanted some excuse to explain some of this without just explaining it. I hated that her whole thing in the beginning was like, yeah, I'm wrecking these dudes who are pedophiles because yeah. they're harming children. Yeah. And, and then immediately was like, let me join this cult where we murder children. Like, yep. ma'am, what? Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't about that. It was, it was ugh, stupid. Micah? Well, I mean, y'all kind of said it. I was going to go with Snakebite Andy and say, you changed, man. You joined that cult and you changed. Um, what what was that movie uh, where the it was basically like a, the chick was like a vigilante against really shitty people uh, who are like trying to take advantage of her when she's drunk and then she like puts them Oh, on- spit, spit on your grave? No, uh, it's, oh, we watched it with your mom. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, it was like, she's a prostitute, kind of, or like a a paid sex worker. Oh my God, what is that fucking movie? Anyway, I thought they were setting her up to be a vigilante and just kind of add that in. But yeah, and then like Katie said, she just went, oh, we're eating children and, and like stabbing them after I was a child who wanted to get against predators but here i am joining a bunch of predators eating children 
okay. And then her character was just super shitty and then um, gave her a really villainous out, which was cool, but it was like, okay, well. Promising young woman. Promising young woman. Yeah, that that fucking movie was, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Snake, Snake by Andy, they, it was like, she was the terrible. setup was great and then they just kind of ruined her to fit the group. And it was like, okay. And they kept showing her face like all the time during like things and watching her reaction, but then she never said anything. So you don't know what she's thinking. You don't know how she's processing everything. And it's just like, oh, okay. I guess we're just cool with this now. And the fact that they used her for Billy's death was so fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. Oh, anger. Yeah. So in the book, Snakebite Andy gets a couple of chapters because they, they want to show like this is how you get into the group. This is what you have to do. And yeah, it gets deeper. Um, they explain her childhood. Uh, she got sexually assaulted by her dad. And so that's why she is going just pedo by pedo. And she's like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Just do this. And Rose is like, hey, you got a cool thing going on here, but the cops are going to catch you at some point because you're not really careful with this. If you roll with us, Hey, uh, you keep doing this and you'll be way sneakier about it. And hopefully you'll get stronger. And she's like, I guess. And goes from there. It, she gets a couple of lines later in the book, but that's kind of all she's there for is just to show how you join the group. And you're like, oh, breathe this in. Now you're going to have a seizure. <laughs> and now you're dead. So that was kind of her job. So it, that kind of ties into my least favorite. The true not. They were poop. Uh, Sans Rose. Rose was great. Yeah. She's a great villain. I think we all agree she was great and everyone else was just trash. I left this out because I was going to save it for this point. In the book, as they absorb Bradley Trevor, so the baseball boy, they fucking get measles from his body. His steam has measles in it. And so Stephen King left that in because later we get steam that's got cancer in it. So I was like, oh, callback. So a big majority of the true not, they fucking get measles and die. Excellent. <laughs> so fucking get Rose is getting bamboozled by a little girl, and everyone's got measles. And then the group goes to kidnap the little girl, and they get murdered and not come back. And she's like, "What the fuck is happening?" <laughs> it's an absolute mess. The true not, they're idiots. Uh, if they're not Rose, they're big dum dums. So. Uh, it's a mess it's a mess in the book there i was telling katie i was like listen to i was like this group is the most unlucky group of villains in any stephen king story uh they just go through shit trying to catch one little girl and they don't even do it like <laughs> they get their asses kicked okay so let's do seven word synopsis my first one is should have went with danny living in movie so the original idea was they were going to keep making movies. This was going to be the beginning of the Shinerverse. I just made that up, trademark, trademark. But they were going to make more stories in this universe, you know. But I don't know. They killed off Hugh McGregor. Like, I guess he could be a ghost, but I don't know. It'd be better if he was alive. The next one. Abra was way more vicious in book. And there is a special reason and I'm going to leave that to my last seven words. 
But um, there are multiple points where she is killing True Not members. She's like, good. I hope you fucking suffer. And, and Dan's like, damn. Yep. This little girl's hardcore. <laughs> I feel that. She had to witness a child being fucking torn apart. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my next one is seeing the Overlook again was pretty cool. It actually made me smile a lot. I was like, this is fucking awesome. And my last one is Danny and Abra are related. Crazy surprise. So in the book, there are multiple little tidbits or clues to this. Uh, Abra, she's got a temper on her. And Danny actually says, like, man, it reminds me of my dad. He had a fucking temper, and I have one, too. Later on, we find out that Jack Torrance, as he was a professor at a college, Abra's grandma was a aide at the same college, and they actually fooled around. So he oh, cheated. My- he cheated on Wendy. And created Abra's grandma. And so Abra is actually related to Danny. And when he finds out, he's like, ain't that a bitch? It makes more sense because she's crazy good at shine. And he's crazy good at shine. I just thought, like, there's more people in the world. But no, in the book, they're actually related. He's like, hey, go figure. (laughs) My dad's a piece of shit and he likes to cheat. (laughs) And so the joke earlier in in the movie where she says, like, well, we're technically related because... We have these powers. She actually says, like, our DNA is so close that we're all related. And he's like, yeah, you're right. And she's like, Uncle Dan. And then later he's like, I am Uncle Dan. Huh. And then he goes off to fight off ghosts at the Overlook. And he's like, ain't that a bitch? I actually am Uncle Dan. Huh. Katie. Makeup and newer portrayal was well done. hmm The makeup in this movie for all of the, like, as people were dying, like from when the vampires were dying from their like shine problem or like getting shot or whatever like they were cycling yeah when they were cycling that shit was fucking incredible and then the set design and makeup for all of the the whole hotel scene was just incredible Mm -hmm. and the newer portrayal of jack nicholson and the mom and uh the little kid andy was just fucking great and all the other ghosts because they all were meant to look like the other ghosts uh yeah the guy who played fucking jack nicholson was henry thomas the fucking kid from et yeah elliot elliot from et like incredible like full circle 80s moment like just (laughs) they crushed it and knocked it out of the park with this shit love the closure of danny and hotel like I was saying to Otis, like I said this to Otis many times before we started recording, the way that they tied in The Shining, the book The Shining, and the way that it actually ends into this movie was just incredible. And getting to see Danny, like grown up Danny, deal with his ghosts and unlock all of his boxes and like fucking deal with The Shine was just awesome. And then my last one is a quote, a paraphrase, I guess. The world is a hungry, dark place. Yup. Micah. What a long, strange trip it's been. <laughs> Jesus, of course you would go there. <laughs> this X-Men story arc is really out there. <laughs> it really is. Uh, and the mind of a superhero is dark. <laughs> That's kind of all yeah. Okay, I have intriguing view into the mind of Danny. And then this little shine of mine 
is deadly. <laughs> and then I have two alliteratives. Telekinetic tie takes toll, triggering terrible trek. And then steampunks scour cities, sucking several stolen souls. So this film came out November 8th, 2019. So what do you guys think the budget for Dr. Sleep was, Katie? Um, I went real high, I think. And I said $30 million or $30 dues because it's Ewan McGregor and he's like so hot right now. Mm-hmm. Emma? I swear to God, Katie, I don't Sorry. think there has been one episode in like two and a half seasons that we haven't said <laughs> basically the same fucking thing. Uh, I guess I'll go with $28 dues. Nice. Okay, Micah. $24 dues. He said 24? Mm-hmm. Yes. The retail price of Dr. Sleep was 45 to 55 dollar wow. dues. Jesus yeah. Mary Christ. That does track though. Yep. That makes plenty of sense. Okay. So Katie, what do you think the box office was? Um $75 dues. And that seems low now. Emma. I said 120. Micah. 107. <laughs> That's very specific. Well, I was going to say something closer to yours, but I decided to back away. Just to back away. Not today. <laughs> so, one of you got crazy close. The box office was $72. Dues. Jesus, Katie. Oh, that makes me really sad. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why this film didn't do that good because it came what? out right around because it came out after halloween that's true it's a scary November. movie and it came out a week after halloween yeah that's a mistake yeah like what playing with fire uh midway and last christmas were the movies that came out around the same time yeah. i just also i feel like i kept like the advertised everywhere all over everything i remember this popping up everywhere but the ad, but like the the trailers and the ads they used were so just i remember them not really being exciting i, I remember them just being really i don't know if they were just really bad or just the marketing team just really didn't do a good job putting together the promo stuff but yeah i just remember it never I don't know, catching on before it came out. So from what I could read, it's uh, a lot of people say that the underperformance was due to the two, two and a half hour runtime, or as well as this movie was made and meant for older audiences. So people that watched the first Shining, sure, you could be a little kid and watched it, you know, with your family. But this was for people like over 20, like yeah. at least over 25. Like, you know, I saw The Shining, like, young, and I watched it again. So when I saw this, like, fuck yeah, man, Shining too. Let's go. I But, you know, 15-year-old's not going to be like, oh, it's a sequel to something? Uh, I mean, it's Ewan McGregor. That's cool. It wasn't a priority. And it's weird because initial, like, projections, people thought this was going to be nasty big. Because mm-hmm. just all the trailers and stuff, yeah, Michael hit it right on the head. There were so many trailers for this fucking movie, but it just didn't turn out the right way. So, unfortunately, 
Warner Brothers, they uh, they scrapped all the future plans for this shining universe for now. Uh, people always come back to things, but they were actually going to make a prequel movie with Dick Halloran and his adventures with the shine when he was a young kid. And they so good. Yeah, they had other ideas that they wanted to do, but this movie probably did not make its money because if it was, we'll say 50 million just for the budget, it made 72. Uh, I don't know how much they put for trailers, but it was a fuck ton of trailers. Uh, They might have broken even, but I doubt they did. I'm curious what this movie has made like to date yeah i'm curious just because i feel like this movie is going to be one of those like cult classics like, oh, yeah. everybody came to it later like either everyone was busy in november 2019 or it was because it was after halloween and nobody wanted to watch a scary movie like yeah i think it definitely has put the potential to be one of these long-standing like holy fuck that's a good movie yeah movie because it, it's a shame because so the actor or act actresses, uh, the girl that played Abra, uh, Rebecca Ferguson, she played Rose. A lot of people were like, you did great. She actually won a Fangoria Chainsaw Award for Best Supporting Actress in this. Uh, people love her. Everyone, all the actors, they did great. It's just, I don't know, the movie just wasn't right. I don't know. I liked it. I thought it should make all the money, but it was really good. I also like a movie with a wheel killing people, so mm. you know, what the fuck do I know? Well, <laughs> yeah. me over here who likes normal movies and Emma over there who also likes normal movies, we love the fuck out of this movie, so. Well, <laughs> okay, so Minority Kill Count, I had five and I believe that's what it was. I think two of the not were not white. Billy, the dad, and Oh, there was somebody else. I think I just added three from True Not just in case. And then Billy and Abra's dad. Yeah. And that'd be five. Yeah, we'll go with five. So the new number is 368. And a Tito Turtle in a house in a plane full of vampires. So does anybody have anything else to say about Dr. Sleep before we get out of here? Please watch it. Yeah, if you have two and a half hours, go check this movie out. It's so fucking good. Especially if you like The Shining. Rent it. Spend money on it. Make sure that they understand we want more. Yeah, hopefully. I wouldn't mind a show. That'd be cool. I don't know. I think, Some... like, I think Stephen King needs a show. Like, not He doesn't need to be in charge, but there needs to be like a Stephen King Presents show, and everybody does, like, his short stories. You just hire a bunch of directors. Every episode is a short story. You know, it's a 45, 50 minute episode. And yeah, cabinet of curiosities kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. That, but for Stephen King. Yeah, that'd be pretty solid. They need to make that. So with that, that is the end of this episode. So if you, if you have any other cool fun facts about, I don't know, vampires or shine, don't show that shit to me. Send it to Katie at Allentown Pod. Leave the email it is. Allentown Presents at gmail.com. Facebook at Allentown Presents. So this was episode 295 in the books, in the pocket, out of sight, Bella. So uh, we got one more chapter in Stephen King movies, and we'll figure out what we're going to do. I don't know which one yet. But uh, 
the music you listen to right now. That is Flip and the Combined Effort, Flip and the CE, anywhere you can find them. Studio Pizzas, thank you so much for the artwork. Uh, I love Stephen King, obviously. There's some really cool stories out there, so it always makes me smile when we can easily go back because he did a fuck ton of movies when he was younger and on drugs and drinking. So there's a lot of dumbass movies out there. Maximum Overdrive, we're doing that one goddamn day. It's cars killing people. It's stupid. So, uh, cars killing people episode or month. Yeah. Do that and Christine and. I swear it's the third one. Yeah. Yeah. Do rubber again. We love same song. I'm sure there's more haunted car, like evil car movies. Oh, there's a one with that drone that's killing people. It was like an actual drone. It was like jealous that this girl like got a boyfriend. So he's like, I'm gonna kill him. <laughs> and there's a the one about the couch that's haunted. There's a lot of shitty movies out there, guys. So, like always, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with our final Stephen King movie. And then we'll be one month away from the Halloween Scream of Thunder. So, bye, guys. Bye. Oops. Murder, murder. Oh, shit. Hold on. Wait, I, I forgot to hit reverse. Red rum, red rum.